So, okay. so we're getting ready yeah. for. Gavin? Yeah. Uh, you're okay. kind of soft. You're kind of soft there, buddy. Hey, hey, hey! Family show. And dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And technology. So I think that we we got a little Commander Cast connection here. It's tenuous. Tenuous at best. Welcome to Commander Cast, episode 223, for your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on October 29th, 2015. Happy National Cat Day, people! Hmm, that was definitely... What? It's National Cat Day. National Black Cat Day, isn't it? No, it's just National Cat Day. Ooh, you racist. No, National Black Cat Day was on, like, Monday or Tuesday, man. I'm not lying. (laughs) I was excited because my cat is black. Uh, I, 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 oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, man. It's a tiny little six-pound black cat. I was excited. I don't know. Okay, see, now you have to give us pictures. Hey, I'm telling you, man. You know, it's a or serious thing, happen. man. Black cats are the least likely to be uh, adopted from shelters, and they're yeah. the most likely to be euthanized. It's, it's really bad. Oh, that's actually really sad. Mm-hmm. See, now you feel... See, now I want to go to California and go to the uh, the Cat Cafe. Because it's a cafe where they have a room where they have like 6 to 20 of their adoptable cats running around. And you can go in and you can meet all the cats out of their cage. Hmm. That's kind of cool. I heard that's a thing in Japan. Also, you can rent like what they call Neko apartments where like you get a cat with the apartment. Huh. Actually, in Japan, there's an island that's just overpopulated with cats. They also have cat cafes. They do. Like they, they actually just have a lot of different themed cafes, especially in Akihabara. All right, then. So, while I'm enjoying National Cat Day, you guys are enjoying this on November 2nd, 2015. And everyone that you heard just now is part of the regular entourage. We've got Calvin, a.k.a. Captain Red Zone. How are you doing today? I'm actually doing pretty well. Currently, I am in the process of painting. For any of the listeners out there, we're recording this before Halloween, so I'll uh, be listening to this after Halloween. We'll be doing this, you know. But, like, for me, my son my son needs a costume, and I'm currently painting his costume. He's going to be Mega Man. Ooh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, me and my wife picked up some newspaper and some tape and some foam and styrofoam taped this thing up, and now we're in the process of making it. We've handmade it. Once we're done with it, we're going to post pictures of it to Facebook, so... You guys can potentially see it if you so choose. If you know me on Facebook, you'll be able to see it. If you don't know me on Facebook, then, you know, sorry. Nah, sorry. Ooh, I'm going to look more. Maybe I'll post some on Twitter. Well, you know, if you post... I'll post some on Twitter, too, I guess, once we're done. Well, if you post them to the Commander Cast Facebook page as the admin, it actually just goes straight to the Twitter account now, too. Huh. Yeah, like, I actually just fixed that. So now, anytime one of us... Uh, one of the Facebook admins makes a post about, like, an episode or something. 
it's going to go directly to the Twitter as well. So that way, the Twitter account is now going to be, if you're following the Commander Cast Twitter account, you'll be notified about when episodes and stuff are going up. Yay! Yay! The Twitter is actually functional now! Yay! Alright, so the other two people we have here today are our other perennial co-hosts. We've got Mark. Howdy, y'all. And Clay. Hey. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. It is going. It is going. And we are going to our favorite commanders of the week. So, leading us off, Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, question. We are doing five colors tonight, correct? Yes. Is your favorite commander of the week Sliver Overlord? Nope. Is Sliver Overlord anyone's favorite commander of the week? Nope. Uh, not mine. Sliver Overlord is not right, favorite then. commander. So, all right, just because of that, my favorite commander for the week will be Sliver Overlord. <laughs> we will get around to, like, you listeners will find out why in a few moments once we've gotten into the show. More like they will understand why by rewinding about 20 seconds. No, because most of that part I'll probably just cut out. <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll put the part where, like, I've asked is, does anybody have Sliver Overlord as their favorite and leave that there? And then when Mark says, no one likes Sliver Overlord, that part will stay. And then the part where I just said, you know what the hell with it, <laughs> just because you said that. <laughs> and then listeners won't know anything else. Most of this will be gone, too. <laughs> that is, or that it'll is just correct. be a dangle bit at yeah. the very end of the show, in which the listeners will be like, hmm, I wonder where that part was. Hangs <laughs> <laughs> out, out to the dangly bits. Waiting for editing Eldrazi processing. All right, then. So, Clay, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, my favorite commander this week is uh, the Thunder God himself. Um, Thor? Karanos. But uh, basically, because I'm back at school, my favorite commanders each week are basically things that I've had really sweet plays with over the past week. Um, we brought Plane Chase back to my group at school for the first time. Um, and we had some very interesting games. We had like both of the mill planes back-to-back, and it was really annoying. <laughs> Um, because it was like, okay, um, Nephalia, it's like mill 10, return a card to your hand. Cool. Oh no, it's mill 7, return a card to your hand on your end step. Uh, when you roll chaos, you get to return any card from your graveyard to your hand. And we finally planeswalked off of it and hit Leaf Lake, which is, um, at the beginning of your end step, mill 10, and chaos for target player mills 10. So, that was really annoying, but, um, in one of the games... Clay was somebody was stacking the planes deck because they were playing um, Mimeoplasm. <laughs> no one was playing Mimeoplasm. Um, but basically, by the let end of the dream, game, Clay, let me dream. Between various forces, we started with five players. Um, one of them was playing Nekusar, which is why our life totals were so low. Um, it ended up being myself as Karanos, um, Mariki, and. My brain is blanking on the last one that was at the table. Um, but basically, I got to top deck into a Devil's Play with exactly enough mana to kill both of them. So that was fun. Just like, I'm going to Devil's Play you for four, and then I'm going to flashback and kill you. So ha. And that's why we play spells with flashback, kids. All right, then. Mark, who's your favorite commander this week? Um, my favorite commander is Sabra, Queen of the Golgari. Because uh, I have a, I don't know, I've had a weird, like, just yearning to build my old stacks deck back together. I know why this happens. I finally finished my uh white re- my mono white reanimator deck and 
I just couldn't stop myself from putting World Queller in there because that's just I just love that fucking card. So then after <laughs> that, I just I just have to I don't know I just have a little Jones into play stacks. So I apologize to any future people who play with me in the next couple weeks because yeah, stacks fucking smokestack man. I can love that fucking card. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> All right, and my favorite commander this week is Collie the Vast with a vengeance. So. November is going to be pre-con month here on Commander Cast. You know what, with the 2015 Commander decks coming out and all that. So, and hey, if you're listening to this on MTG Cast, then this is the first week of spoilers. And hey, if you check back here on Thursday, you can check out our official spoiler on a separate posting. If you're listening to this on the MTG Cast, you're probably getting it a week later. But all that means is that today is full spoiler day for Commander 2015. Uh, but more on that later. Back to Kalia. So. In order to get to kind of prep myself for pre-con and also for a project that Calvin and I will be doing after our normal re- session today, I was playing the old decks that I w- did reviews on for the old Commander pre-cons. So Kalia, Derevi, Freilis, and Gissa. And played a bit of Gissa and Freilis, but Kalia just had probably her best night in a long, long time. Uh, played two games with her. She She won both of them. To get a picture of what one of the games looked like, imagine Kalia fighting huge-ass Nicol Bolas, and then no matter how many times he smacks her down, like, just keeps swatting her away, she keeps coming at him until just her relentlessness is what kills him. <laughs> because I had Phyrexian Reclamation out. So even though Bolas had, like, the removal for Kalia almost most rounds after it was just the two of us, Yo, I could just keep paying two life to get her back, pay three life off Hall of the Mandalore to play her, swing, and drop another guy. And normally that would kill me before I could kill him, but also I had Whip of Erebos out, which has once again proved why it's my favorite artifact ever now. Wait, what was that? What did you have out? Whip of Erebos. Whoopa. The Whip of Erebos. Whoopa. Yeah, I just really, really love that whip. Like, five life a turn is not a small number, even in Commander. And Kalia chews through her own life total like candy corn, only not terrible tasting. But that whip makes things so much better. It actually, actually, I was uh, netting, I think, two to three life a turn thanks to that. So, yeah, Kalia had a fantastic day, got to play the the new ob. New ob is very, very good, and very well deserving of a Kalia spot. So I was very happy with how Kalia performed. Although, it's kind of awkward to have the Void Winner out and realize that five cards in your hand just got shut off. Yeah, six is a very common cost for Demons and Dragons. It's, and you can't cast Kalia either, so it's a little awkward. Alright, so, if you like what we do here at Commander Cast, and I know there are some people at WotC and our general listening audience that do as well, you can check out a myriad of other stuff that we put out day after day on our website. On Monday... You get the main podcast. That's what you're listening to right now. But the Command Cast Network is so much more. On Tuesdays, we alternate between Journey to Somewhere and Deck Builder Spotlight. Which, Mark, I actually just listened to the Malfagor episode that you guys posted. Yeah, Ben's sweet Malfagor deck is up now. Uh, that one just came out on Tuesday, guys. You take a listen. It's pretty fun. I think it's hard to really... Like, it's hard to get excited sometimes about a Rakdos deck. But uh this one's really cool. I always feel like Ben had a really cool take on just black, red in general, which is a color I've always struggled with. So if you guys have, take a listen. It's worth it. You should you should talk to Eric Bonvi about his Lysolda deck. 
Because he really loved that deck before Alora came out. Yeah, I thought he took that apart, though, didn't he? He took it apart because Alora came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that'd be definitely worth talking about, too. Yeah, just like... One just, thing I would have to say, though, it's a side note. Yep. Is that, like, I'm personally, like, extensively proud of Mark. I mean, listeners don't know this, and, you know, no one else knows currently except for me and Mark, I guess. But that man has been knocking out deck builder spotlights in the last, like, week or two so damn much. But I currently have, like, two, potentially three just sitting in the box. And I was yeah. like, wow, there was a week. There were, there were, I remember there were weeks where it's like I couldn't, like, I had to beg, had to beg the man, you know, please, record <laughs> something so we have something for Tuesday. I don't want to put up another damn journey to somewhere. <laughs> we're going to talk box enough on Monday. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it's like, like, I'm sitting there, I did this one, I turned around, I was like, damn, Mark. Yeah, I just Mark recorded one last night, in this too. Week. Uh, it's good, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, you know, it took forever for me to line up everything, but uh, once I did, yeah, they're just kind of falling into place, man. So thank you and thank all the listeners for uh, continuing the show. Because once again, this show would be at. I'm still surprised that people write in like, "Hey, I want to talk to you." Because without that, like, I'm just riding coasting on charm on this one, man. Because without without <laughs> listeners, this would literally not be a show. So it's a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Remind me to update at my. Olivia Deck tapped out so I can show you a list that isn't just derpy tribal vampires. Oh, that's what mine is. <laughs> that's what the new that's why I was excited the new Drana came out, man. So I can throw her into the derpy tribal vampire deck. <laughs> Alright. Derp, derp derp. So the other half of our Tuesday lineup is Journey to Somewhere, my podcast, where I take a journey to somewhere and talk about something. And that's really all you need to know. It's more of a community editorial piece. Wednesday, you get our strategy segment with Grandpa Growth. Grandpa, let's see, he actually just finished up his a uh, monocolored staple series, right? Yeah, he uh, Grandpa just wrapped that up with um, important green cards this week, and then next week um, is actually going to be Aaron coming back for a bit. He's going to talk about some mana curvature, uh, and so that'll be on Wednesday, so two days after this one comes up for all you listeners out there. Um, and then I think Grandpa's coming back. He hasn't decided yet. I think what he's what he's hitting up. But, uh, yeah, he's going to come back with a new series. So. Ooh, very good. All right, so Thursday, hey, if you're listening to this on CommanderCast.com, then last Thursday, we just had an episode of Rivals Duel, where they talk about mana rocks. And we had to discuss whether we actually wanted to find mana rocks or not. Behind the scenes here at CommanderCast.com, we argue over semantics and definitions. And if it's not Rivals Duel, it'll be the stack or some other thing. Actually... I really like Matt's horde deck that he posted up. Yeah, man, is that sweet? Angels and humans this week. Yeah, this week meaning like what three or four days ago for you listeners. But check that out, sweet Halloween theme one. And again, like you don't fight against angels and humans a lot, but uh, this one's really cool. Matt Rob's been really knocking it out of the park with these horde things, man. I don't mind anybody else. I love me some horde. I will never get tired of horde decks. Like, Actually, you- as an aside. I'm actually going to get a couple of guys together so I can start playtesting in an experimental format on Monday. Because my because I was listening to a Squirecast talk about Archimedes and Plane Chase, and that got me to thinking, you know what? In Archimedes, you're supposed to be playing like the Overlord, but sometimes like the heroes are just too strong because they're like playing all their EDH decks and they just stomp over you if you're playing like their Arch Enemy schemes, quote unquote. So why don't you just mix Arch Enemy with Horde? Like, like an arch enemy, like a normal arch enemy deck has, you know, non-token spells that signal when you stop flipping over tokens. What if you just had like a marker in a sleeve that said, this is when you play your scheme? Hmm. Like, like your tokens don't get haste, but you get like a, bu- a bunch of free tokens every turn until you flip over either a spell or a marker for your scheme. Hmm. 
Or how's about you just get like a particular token and then just write like, you know, scheme. Like say for instance, if it was like zombie decks, then you take like, I don't know, like out of the hundred zombie tokens that's in there, like, I don't know, say, tw- uh, how many horde cards are there? I mean, how, how many arch enemy cards would it be? 20. Or does the deck just cycle through itself? Uh, the the arch, enemy scheme, itself, right? the arch enemy scheme stack is twenty cards that cycles through itself. Right, so you take like out of your out of your hundred zombies, you take I don't know like let's just say like thirty thirty of them, mark them with like I don't know scheme on them, like next to where the zombie name is, and then when that zombie token shows up, you get a scheme, and then you kind of then you can just kind of stop going through the pile of zombies as necessary because when that guy flips over he activates another non-token card because that'd be your scheme well that's what i'm saying is like you have cards in these uh horde deck that signal when it's time for you to play your scheme yeah but but what you're saying is you're talking about like a specific card that um signals playing the thing i'm talking about putting it on a creature so this way the horde deck still has its creature in case the scheme it flips over sucks well yeah you can do that okay <laughs> But like the the twist that we were gonna put on it on the hero side is that we were go- going to find the uh, the hero cards from the Theros pre-releases and let them use those too. So That's like cute. so like they would get one of the, they would have a a regular hero card and then they would get the God Slayer that you have to make at the journey into the next pre-release. Hmm. So that actually has some really cool potential depending on how re- on how development goes. Fair. And we will call the format Overlord. <clears throat> And then when, there was no, also... when he was talking about the Arch Enemy cards, I thought he was talking about mixing them in with the Plane Chase deck. Nope. Ooh, that would be strange. No? Nope. Although there's also, like, this DM aspect to it, where it's like, okay, guys, for our next session of Overlord, we're going to be playing on this plane, and you pick a Plane Chase card for you to have your game on. And so everyone mm-hmm. can pick to, and everyone can pick and bring or build decks specifically for that plane. Interesting. I mean, like, it all depends on how well, we, on how the development of it goes, because this actually sounds like a lot of setup, but it also has that real D&D feeling to it. Fair. All right. But, like, Mark, what what, uh, what made you think, uh, makes you think it uh, wouldn't work for Arch Enemy and Plane Chase? Me? I mean, I don't know. Like, having played Arch, having played Arch Enemy and having played Plane Chase separately, they just seem like a, like a weird mix. Like, Plane Chase seems like a cooperative game, at least all the ones I played, whereas, like, I know, I, I feel like it might be strange to just kind of gang up on somebody. Like, the only time we ganged up on people in plane chase was when, you know, they wouldn't get off a fucking plane that we really hated. Like, some of those old shitty stasis planes, you know, that was the only time oh, we did I, that. I, yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't know. No, uh, what I said was, like, well, what I meant to say is, like, arch enemy cards in your in your plane chase deck. Kind of like the phenomenons. Do-do-do-do-do. Phenomenon. Huh. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. So you mean, like, just slip in... Like, like, you know. All right, so I'll let you yeah, like, explain you know, down. Like, you build your plane chase deck. Just like you build your plane chase deck, right? Mm-hmm. You take a handful of the arch enemy cards, you mix it in with the plane chase deck, and then when you skip a plane or rotate from a plane, if you hit a phenomenon, that happens. If the person who rolled the dice happens to run into an arch enemy card, he gets that, and he gets to do whatever that effect is to the other three players <laughs> or other players in a group. Huh. That seems really <laughs> funny, actually. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's like, it's like, we get gang like, like, like no, 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 but I'm saying, like, t- say, for instance, like, uh, flavor-wise, right? You have, like, the heroes, like, Gideon, Garrick, like, uh, I don't know, Jace, Sandra. These four players, walkers, are, like, battling each other. That's just regular plane chase. These guys would fight each other going from one plane to the next. Hmm. But if you had, like, Nico Bolas, Tezzeret, uh, Tilt, and, like, I don't know, like, uh, who's another, like, evil plane? Uh, Sauron? 
I don't know. Maybe I'm a mixilist. Yes. Like, these are the kind of planeswalkers, like, in the process of planeswalking, would set a trap for you in the plane, Mm -hmm. in the ether. So this way, as you're traveling from one plane to the next, ah, chased after him, but I lost three life for it. See, I would do, you guys remember, I think it was Magic 2015 pre-release. What what was the the one where they had the Garrick uh, planes, like the big, the, the big old yeah, oversized Garrick one. That was last year. That was 2015. Yeah, it was 2015. All right. So I'd like to see a set of those thrown into like a plane chase deck. So it would be like plane chase horde. So you'd be playing the planes and all of a sudden like some evil ass planeswalker would pop up. And then you'd all have to like gang up together to kill the planeswalker before you could plane, you know, planeswalk out of there. Hmm. I actually kind of like that idea. Like you're traveling through the planes and as you're like going from one plane to another, you happen to, you just out of like the one out of 300 million chance planes walk into Garrick, knocking him into your battle. And he gets pissed because he was going somewhere else, but you happen to, like, step on his shoe. Yeah, and, and he's, he's like, like, oh, no, uh, fuck that. And he just chases <laughs> the entire group down for the remainder of the game. Yeah, I might do, I might just throw, like, next time I play Plane Chase, I might just throw the uh, Garrick guy. Just, like, just throw him in a sleeve and, you know, throw him in the deck and say, fuck it. Uh, just throw him in a sleeve. Like, you know, you may not hit him. You might not. But, you know, there's still that one in a million chance that you just happen to run over Garrick's sneaker. Yep. And Garrick doesn't like it and decides to hunt you and your group down for the remainder of the game. Yep. Or, like, like maybe you have to, like, roll, like, like roll really that Plane Chase dice and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Right. Just imagine, it's like that one sucker who thinks he's actually getting away, actually trying to, like, oh, man, I hate this place. Next thing you know, Garrick shows up, and he's just beating ass, and he's like, oh, God, why the hell do I have to run over Garrick and accidentally fall on the plane, which just gives green tokens and shit? Like, man, I just peed on that dude's shoes. Fuck. Yeah. All right, so getting back to our schedule topic at hand. Friday is our technology segment, and, hey, you know what? We also put Squirecast there. Or at least that's when it's normally supposed to go up. I think we had a little bit of a posting mishap thing. Because Squadcast actually went up on Thursday. But that's okay. Because you, the listeners, still get there's quality a little bit of hiccup. There's a little bit of a hiccup about a week or so ago, depending on where you listen to it is from. Most of it has been worked out. It's been pretty much fixed now. Glad to hear it. All right. So if you want to join in on the... Oh, wait. Hold on. That's right. Almost I, for whatever reason, almost forgot that... On the last episode of Squirecast, I was on as a special guest. Oh, that's pretty important. And it was the Halloween episode. Ooh. Yeah, it was actually really great. I don't want, want, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't heard Squirecast before, but you definitely want to check out a couple of the decks that the guys came up with. Because we all came up with spoopy themed decks. Alright then. So, if you want to go ahead and join in the conversation, join our Reddit community. Which people are actually starting to make their own topic threads on the Reddit sub forums. And it's actually really cool to look at. In fact, if you look at the comments for Commander Cast episode 220, A Fishy Slump, <laughs> uh, someone actually posted a couple of theme decks that they had. And that's where I found this super sweet tribal golems theme by Chef Sadi. Which I'm going to drop the link for that in the show notes. It's basically Rune the Hidden Realm. With all those guys that make golems when they enter play and other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's literally just tribal golem. You got stuff like Mall Splicer, Master Transmuter to bounce stuff, Master Splicer. It's got Junk Troller. Mm-hmm. Like, this actually just, this is really, really cool to look at. It's got Walking Archive. You got Wind Splicer. Like, the cool thing about all these splicers is that it kind of makes the golems, like, slivers. 
A little bit. I mean, I liked Splicers in, uh, what was that, like 2012? Yeah, Magic? it was yeah. with Rexia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are wicked cool, man. I thought those were pretty sweet. I mean, those in Blink are stupid, so yeah, with that and Rune, it was good stuff. And it's got, like, aura shards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this is just a really, really cool deck. So you can find stuff like this on our subreddit. And join in the conversation. It's really cool there. All right, then. So the banner poll. As of right now, if you are listening to this in any time frame, it is closed. In fact, I need to make sure Jacob closes this out so that the votes can be tallied and done. Um, So unless we get, like, some sort of surprise voters on, like, Friday or Saturday, uh, it looks like that we had a three-way tie between Rexiel, Ib, and Kalia. So who came in fourth? Fourth was Karn. Yeah. So we have Rexio, Ib, Kalia, and Karn as our new Commander Cast mascot. Congratulations, people. You will all officially be added to what will potentially be our feature. But Ixidor. Ixidor came in dead last. Yes, I know. And damn. Oh, wait. Wait. So someone. Wait. How the hell did that happen? Wasn't Marath like only had like one fucking vote? No, Marath had five five votes. Marath is actually oh, in oh, second yeah, yeah. last. Damn. Oh uh, yeah. Marath <laughs> beat Exodor. Exodor had two votes. Uh, Exodor had three votes. Marath had five. Yeah. Praj had six. Karn yeah. had seven. And then Kali, Ibn, Rexiel tied at nine apiece. Yeah. So woo! Yeah. So who was the third vote? So it was Clay, Dan, and I don't know. Some guy who just really likes Ixidor. Wow. That's that's not good. All right. It was Clay twice. He actually just he got phone and he used his computer. Dun, dun, he actually dun. just got Mallory to vote for him. All right, then. And so, she was like, why am I voting for this stupid thing? He was like, but Ixidor. <laughs> all right, then. And I think that takes care of all the regulars and niceties. So we're going to go ahead and go into our main topics today. Today we'll have... Uh, a bit of a variety episode. We're a week out from pre-con month. So, let's go ahead and go to our first topic of the night. And it's actually a very important announcement. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Alright, so before I do that, there actually is an email I want to read off for you guys. Uh, let's see. Dick Here we go. This one's from Ray. He says, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that no matter what you guys are talking about, Command and Cast always makes my commute to work much more yeah, enjoyable. Play. Even during that, even during that Aldrazi segment, when you had no one, when no one had any experience to contribute to that discussion, it was still very fun to listen to you guys banter. I think <laughs> that the guys at Commander Cast have very nice chemistry, and I hope you guys keep pumping out podcasts for years to come. Thanks, Ray. Hey. Thanks, Ray. Even when we're incompetent, you like us. All right. So, so before I get to the big announcement, uh, a bit more of a a bit more of a personal announcement on my end. So, as people might know, I currently work part time at the Card Academy, which is a fantastic shop in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. You should look us up. You know the what. The website has been doing really good on the white side. John's currently working to get, like, Dragon Ball Z cards and Vanguard cards up there, too. Uh, at some point next year, I would like to have Magic cards up there so you can order Magic singles from your favorite podcast host. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but recently, uh, John's brother is actually leaving to go back to college after Christmas. So John came up to me and 
basically offered me the chance to go full-time for the card academy so I could actually help open the store, close, stuff like that. And this is a really exciting time for me because I'm been, uh, I've been negotiating with, with John. We'll probably go on like a salary month thing where I'm earning X amount of monies per month. You know, like, like a normal salary job. So I can actually focus on a budget and stuff like that. Now I can actually just focus on the work itself and not how many hours I'm doing for that work, which would be fantastic. It's like just straight up amazing. But after crunching some numbers with my roommate, who actually just is an accountant, uh, it looks like I'm still going to need like a part-time job to help after that. Like, the, job, the full-time job at Card Academy will be enough to cover basically all my living needs and, and saving money, but nothing after that. Like, I would still need a, an additional source of revenue. And this has actually been something I've been thinking about for a couple of years now, is, you know, what I would actually need to do and what would be the ramifications of monetizing Commander Cast, which, if you've been listening since Andy was running the show, like, he was just adamant about how nothing about that was going to, nothing about the website was going to be monetized. So this is actually just a big – this is just completely against the grain from what Andy originally made the show to be because Andy's motto was, hey, this is your hobby, and as soon as you start monetizing it, then it's just your job. And at this point, I actually don't see a problem with that. Right now, Command Cast is actually just kind of like my third job that gets pushed aside a little when the other two jobs take precedence. Like there's obviously the warehouse job where I'm demanding to be there on a schedule – there's Commander, there's Card Academy where I'm working part time. It's like I'm there every Friday because I have to run FNM. I'm there every Saturday because I have because I'm running Modern, and I come in like one or two nights a week to make sure I'm sorting the stock and getting other work done. And sometimes I just have to push Commander Cast back. And there's been one or two times where I've had to think, well, if I want to do other stuff in my life, maybe I just need to take a big step back from Commander Cast. But if I were to find a way to turn Commander Cast into my part-time job, then I can actually just fo- focus on doing Commander Cast like a part-time job. Like, I can actually get back to article writing. There are, like, there's one or two video series I would love to do if I had the time to commit to Commander Cast. And that's basically what this boils down to is a money thing. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to monetize off of the hard work of everyone else who works for the site. Because the volunteers we have for our website are fantastic amazing people and commander cast is not commander cast without all these amazing people but i don't want to have to give up commander cast because i have to focus on making ends meet and also making sure i keep up with the other social aspects that i need in my life so the one fix that fixes this is hey let's just try and get commander cast to be a part-time job which would be i don't know roughly five to six hundred by my estimation a month so what this boils down to is, hey, I finally went and bit the bullet and created a Commander Cast Patreon. Now, this doesn't mean Commander Cast is going to go th- to a paywall. We are never, you have my guarantee that Commander, that any of the shows we put out right now on CommanderCast.com are not going behind a pay- paywall. They are all going to be for free listening. They'll still be available on NTD Cast. This is not going to be a pay to listen stuff. With that said, the goal will be to come up with videos and and that type of stuff that we can monetize on in the sense that we are going to well me personally i'm going once i have this at a level where i can say yes this is my part-time job i'm going to start creating content for you listeners that will be free to everyone else it'll be it'll still be all productions will still be free for all the listeners out there you will not have to pay a dime if you just want to enjoy all the content we're producing even for the stuff that i'm 
considering pay getting paid to make like videos and articles and, and stuff like that i will probably offer things like hey you can see the video early in the article early and, and stuff like that um uh i'm actually losing my train of thought here so guys do you have comments and questions that i should be walking through but one thing before we get too far into this, because I know there's going to be a lot of listeners out there that one are going to be going, well, William is going to be doing this, but he has me and there's Mark and there's Clay and there's Aaron and there's all the other guys on the site that are doing various things and writing articles and posting up shows. If all of this is happening and it's turning it into William's part time job, what about the other guys? Well, quickly, what we're going to we're going to say here is, is that as far as behind the scenes, all of us fully understand this is something that William's dreaming for. All of us are going to continue to still be here. As far as I currently know, none of us have had any complaints or problems with it. None of us really see anything wrong with what William is doing. Therefore, if you think as though, like, you know, we're being cheated or whatever the case may be, keep in mind, all of the content that we're currently making, we already do for zero dollars and zero cents. So. If we decide to do it again, it just and the end result is, is that we get to thank our friend in producing more content and helping to better the site for you listeners as well. Yeah, I don't see anything really wrong with that or negative from my personal view. And I know there's going to be a few listeners out there that are going to be like, well, I understand, but, you know, what's in it for me? I do this for him. What am I getting out of it? More of the stuff you enjoy now. Currently, we do this, but, you know, William is not capable of assisting or doing a lot of different things because he's currently having to work between one job and the other. But if the enough, if enough of the listeners were to contribute, the end result would be William would have the card or would be working at the card shop, and he can then come here and tell you listeners about things, write up articles, potentially post up videos of commander tournaments or games that he's played, potentially bring up other things that you, listeners may or may not be in, may may not be things that other listeners may be interested in, and you know you get more content. It's just something that I consider to be a good thing overall for the site and for everyone here. You have something to say, Mark? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, if if listeners are concerned about that, also realize, guys, that Will's been footing the dime for Commander Cast ever since Andy left. So for a couple of years now, you know, webcast hosting is is not free. So And it's not like we've been contributing. God knows I haven't ever helped out in that sense monetarily. So, <laughs> you know, the money's got to come from somewhere, guys. And it's just one of those facts of life, man. You know, nothing's free. So if you guys want to continue to have Commander Cast, and again, it's not saying we're going anywhere, but, uh, you know, it helps to grease the wheels, man. So everybody's, everybody's got to get paid somewhere. Unfortunately, also, that means, like, the website hoster has got to get paid, too. All right. And on that note about what the staff and stuff is going to get, um, I'm at the, right now, I know the bare minimum amount. I know that if the Patreon gets to the point where I'm over, earning over 600 a year off of it, that I need to start filling out government tax forms for it, like a W-9, which I can actually get off of Patreon, which is somewhat convenient. I need to hit up a couple of people I know who are accountants and find out, like, other tax information stuff that I need to do. Like, I... I don't, I'm not, I'm actually not comfortable with the idea that, yes, I am getting this money so that I can produce extra content for the, for the website, but that the rest of my crew doesn't get anything returned. Like, that does not sit well with me. So, rest assured, people are going to see some amount of compensation. I still need to figure out what that is. Like, w- once we stabilize to a level where I could afford, like, a rate, I could actually afford to send people like a little PayPal money 
that says like, hey, for every article you give us, we can give you X amount of monies. Or even just non-monetary if like the tax issues become prevalent. Like once we get to a certain milestone, which I'm going to be honest right now, I'm still figuring out the milestones and the Patreon tiers and stuff like that. But once we start making a certain amount, like I only need five to six hundred from this. Anything else that goes over that is going to go straight back into Commander Cast to help make the production side better. Like I actually want to be able to help our regular podcasters like get better equipment if they need it, or if like their microphone just gets destroyed, or their like uh, Calvin. You remember when my computer just got destroyed because I was leaving my laptop on all night and. That was miserable for us. Oh, yeah, I remember all of that. Like the moment where there was a point in time where William was recording all of the shows and he was sending everything over, and then one day his computer exploded on him. Yeah, that and was. We were losing some awesome commander content. Yeah, that was just horrible for me, and I was not in a financial financial position to just straight up buy a new computer. I actually ended up having to borrow the money from my roommate. I've since paid him off, so it's fine. But like. If any of our regular podcasters got into a situation like that, like, if we were making enough money, I would be more than happy to get to chip in for that bill a little bit just to help keep the production going. And I know they would feel so much better about that. Like, if we have guys who are proven podcasters and they're, but they're using like kind of crappy-esque headphones, I would be more than happy to help chip in to get them a better mic, because at that point, they've deserved it. They've done, like, 50 episodes going on this crappy Turtle Beach thing. Like, yeah, let's pump up the quality here. Let's do a better, like, listeners like it. Let's help them out of it. I am a big believer in putting, you know, just what we earn back into the product that we're making to make it better. At some point, we can actually start doing, like, sleeves and play mats. Like, we were go at last, at this point last year, we were talking to Inked Playmats about a, uh, a collaboration for the Gifts Given Charity Drive, and that fell through. Like, we just never heard back from them, which I don't know if that was our fault for not following through on that, or their fault, or what went on with that. But, like, now that I work at a store, I could probably talk to John about maybe renting out a little space to hold product, and I could use that to ship it out. Like, there's a lot of exciting stuff that can be made possible if we get to different milestones. And the other thing is, is that now William's actually at a store, so there's potential to, you know... You know, he could potentially sell some Commander Cast product at his store because he'd actually have it, you know. Yeah. For instance, like, you know, the people in his area who want to support Will and actually want to have their sweet Commander Cast play mats, you know, swing by the shop, pick it up, boom, it's right there. Yeah, like we were talking about, you know, the Commander banner pull earlier. I actually have friends who do magic art commissions. Like, how sweet would it be for me to be able to, to pay them actual monies for commissions that we can then turn into playmats. Like, just custom artwork and everything. Like, there's so much cool stuff that can ha- happen if we get enough of this. Now, realistically speaking, I've seen what podcasts like Limited Resources get, and that's not what I believe we can get. Yeah, that's, I am not expecting anywhere close to that. Like, Marshall makes close to 3K an episode. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I don't need to talk finances. <laughs> like, no, no, it's actually just there on his Patreon. He, oh. yeah, he makes eighteen hundred per podcast released. Good we Lord. are, yeah, we there's Good for him, man. Yeah, great for him because that's actually just his, his full time job. Like Chewie's over on the Manipool and Monday Night Magic. He's trying to turn that into his full time job, 
and he's making maybe 450 a month. Like that's actually closer to where I I'm hoping our numbers end up. And Dang. and I am more than happy with that. That ensures that I can work on videos and articles part time. Like at bare minimum, you will get a weekly article series if, if we can get to that area. And there is plenty I can do with just article space. <laughs> uh, Clay, did you have thoughts or questions you wanted me to answer while we're on air? Um, not really. I think it's a good place to go, just because any extra support that we can get, especially monetarily, will greatly help the site. Yep. And that is the thing. Like, we were talking about how Marshall's getting these per episode. No, we're just going to be a monthly su- subscription thing. You can sign up to donate as little as $1. If Commander Cast is worth at least a dollar out of your wallet for the, what, we put a, the, the flagship show puts up two and a half hours a week. That's like, Six hours content? Yeah. If it if six hours of content is worth at least a dollar a month, please come up and sign up and be a be a patron. We'll love you for even more than we already do. <laughs> That's eight hours. It's eight hours more. I can't math. I went to pu- I went to public we, school. we typically put out we typically put out four hey. episodes a month. Hey. You're the we typically teacher, put out you four episodes. Yeah, we oh, typically I'm put out like four episodes a month. If each episode comes in at two and a half hours on average. Yeah, that's ten hours. That's two, ten. four, six, eight, and then with half an hour. And then if you count the half an hour, give or take where it is. Because, you know, typically we go two hours. Every so often we go to 2.30. So somewhere between eight to ten hours, depending on how heavy our dangly, how heavy our dangles are within that month. That's literally ten cents per hour of content if you donate a minimum of one dollar a month. Like, wow. You could support Quick a podcast. statistics question. If everyone who listens, like on average, the average number of listeners, if everyone donated a single dollar a month, what would that raise? I actually that would bring don't... in roughly. I will tell you exactly how much that brings in. On average, if every listener or every person that we have download the show donated a single dollar, a single buck per month, it would be so every in, four episodes. Yeah, per month. Yeah, for every four episodes, every listener gives up, gives up, like, you know what? Good job on you, William. You kept the show going for a month. Here's a dollar. If everyone did that, William would make within a month somewhere between fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Because on average, because on average, our listeners come in depending on per per episode, give or take fifteen hundred per episode. So that means every episode has roughly fifteen hundred to two thousand listeners. That's a lot more people so, randomly listening to my voice than I expected. So, on I mean, average, I mean, let's just, actually... so, so let's just, let's put it like this. Even if a quarter, just like one out of every four listeners donated, William would be at part-time minimum already. We don't need the entire audience just to reach this goal. If you have a playgroup and there's four people at that table and a single one of them donates a dollar for every group that's there, we would have the minimum for what William needs. And then boom. He would have his part-time job. You know, if more than that happened to donate a dollar, or if those people donated more than a dollar, say they hit the $5 mark or chose to throw William a couple extra bucks because they're like, you know, I like Commander Cast. Every episode is worth, I don't know, $4 to me. But like, you're like, I would, I'll give William $4 for the month because he put out four episodes at a dollar an episode. William could easily, easily make close to $1,000 depending on what the listeners gave. Well, as we said, this is going completely by what we have. And on that note, I'm actually going to make another tier that for $3 that says, thank you very much. We are worth a booster pack of your time. 
purpose. Exactly. Exactly. If you would spend, like, if you go out to a shop and you would draft and you would hit up another draft, just, you know, just, like, if you win a pack, just trade it in. Get that store credit. Go right ahead. And then with the $3 you save from winning, just throw it at William and be like, you know, Will, I won $3, Pat. I decided to give it to the network. Actually, you know what? As one of the uh, the Patreon tiers, I could actually just give people access to the raw footage of Commander Cast. Like, this is Commander Cast completely uncut. You get to listen Ooh, to a whole four hours of us talking bullshit and going on oh, rambles. Jesus. I don't know if they want that, man. <laughs> I mean, From the they, start yeah, of the like, recording. Yeah. You know, you, or, can, you can stop, like, your Patreon subscription anytime, right? Or, like, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a good like, thing. Or do, what if we realize that listen, there would be some listeners out there that would hear every single racist comment that any of us happen to make that Calvin decided <laughs> to cut? What if one of the perks was being able to listen in while we're recording? I mean, I would have to make that, like, a $40 tier and limit it to, like, one or two people a month. But yeah. that's something that I could consider doing because we don't have any intentions of actually just streaming an episode. Like, there's way too much stuff to actually stream it. Yeah. Oh, just talk. Nope, that is a that is a thought, and it's actually something I've thought about before. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably I can actually probably put like Commander Cast raw at Commander Cast uncut at like five dollars or something, like maybe five to ten, depends on how much racism is worth. <laughs> like, how much do you want to hear the racist comments that Calvin makes? <laughs> like that one I made last week that I had to cut. And what was it? Uh, who was it? Jake and Jake. Jake was on the episode with us. I, I he remember that. One. And he, he actually he actually said, "How is it that Calvin is the most racist person on the podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and I could actually let's see. Yeah, I could. Once we get to a certain milestone, I can retroactively put up the raw files because I still have those on my hard drive. Like, yeah, there's there is so many cool stuff. So if you have suggestions for milestones or reward tiers, go ahead and send us an email or start the subreddit. Like, just anything at all will help a lot. Actually, Calvin was talking about how if everyone donated a dollar, like, we would get almost 2K. The Right now... But somewhere between 1,500 to 2K, depending. Right. One of the milestones that I decided on was, hey, if we can get to the point where we're making 2K a month, one, I'm probably going to poop a little because... There's no way in hell that okay, then. we can get to that amount right now unless just everyone's a generous motherfucker. But I would love to start sponsoring, you know, our actual staff members to head to the closest GP to their area. Like, if there's GP Maine and Mark has a weekend off, like, I don't see why I sh- shouldn't spend money to help send him there so that he can actually meet people who are going to be at that Grand Prix, right? Sure. Yeah. On a random side note. Uh, can I jump in here real quick? Because yeah. I'm right now on the fence about going to Rhode Island Comic Con. It's not obviously as big as like you know something in Boston or New York, but it's pretty big around New England. So, and I'm like, listeners, is that a con worth going to? Because like I've been to New York Comic Con for you know a bunch of times, uh, but then that was back when I could get tickets to New York Comic Con. So I'm like considering doing this one, but I don't know if it's worth it. Remember so, when? Yeah, like remember when any of the crew would be at PAX? Yeah. Like, that's a stuff, that's a thing that we can actually bring back. Like, I could actually afford to just fly out to GPs. Like, I could actually meet these guys, and we could meet up at GPs, and you will get to meet multiple Commander Cast staff guys at once. Oh, you know what would be kind of sweet, though? If you did, uh, like, I know we're, like, basically talking magical Christmas land here, so what the hell? We get to the point where we're basically making that kind of extra money, and William's capable of flying out to areas and sending other cast members to places. 
so we can all meet up. When William gets there, I'm pretty sure he will have plenty of Commander Cast swag with him that you could potentially either purchase or uh, maybe he would toss some of it out there, you know, for free just to the first, I don't know, let's say two or three Commander Cast listeners that run up to him. Yeah, like Commander Cast yeah. merch. That that uh that milestone's at like 1K, I think. I need to fix that. Yeah, I'm still working on all the stuff for the yeah, tier. We're still, still ironing out the tiers, but, you know. <laughs> Ironing tears. Uh, those precious, precious islands. <sighs> Alright, delete that crazy 701. Okay. And we're good for now. So yeah, Commander Cast swag. Taking it to GPs. I actually, part of, I know for sure that once we have Commander Cast merch, I am without question sending everyone on our staff copies of said merch. Merch. Like tokens, sleeves, Convert. the playmat. Token. <sighs> Just so much exciting stuff, and like I said, you actually just don't have to contribute anything if you don't want to. Like, I get it. Money's tight. I support a couple of different people on Patreon where all I give them is a dollar, because that's all I can really afford. Like, I give five dollars to David Willis because God fucking man posts his comics a day early on Patreon, and God damn it, I can't actually, I need to know what happens the next day. Like, I can't wait 24 hours. But the other guys I support, I give a dollar because I also believe in voting with your money. So there you go. Uh, guys, anything else and any other thoughts or comments that we should close on for this? Commander Cast is humble beginnings. We were just a simple site created by a simple man who just had a free weekend and just felt like he wanted to try something. And we've grown from there. We've brought on extra shows. There was a point in time where Commander Cast was the only podcast on this network and we were surrounded by articles. People would come in. And those article writers went off to go do other things for other sites and create videos and contents and things of that nature for other places. Like, what was it? The, um, over at Gathering Magic, uh, CMDR Dex started here. Over on YouTube, Brian and Carson, they went over there and they started doing their top and go productions. And that spanned off to there. Carlos. Even Sean Padgett, Car- Carlos. You know, we've got plenty of people who currently are pretty much big Commander cast celebrities around the Internet, and they all got their humble beginnings here. Oh, uh, Gibson. Not Gibson's necessarily on saying that was, yeah, not necessarily saying that we currently, the, the current crew, created any of these, and we're not taking responsibility for it, but the site in and of itself, as far as I'm concerned, has become a pillar to the Commander community. A lot of people who gr- have grown on to do other things. Say, for instance, like take... William, when he first came here, he was just an author. He was just a writer, had something to do, wrote articles for people. Now he's basically the, uh, runs the site, the owner of the site. And under his regime, we've basically moved on. Like when I first started, I was just a listener like you. I just happened to do a blog once and make some articles because I wanted to produce some content and I didn't want to do it until Commander Cash showed up. And now I'm over here helping this site out, doing the editing and all this other stuff. And as far as I can, as far as I'm concerned, Commander Cast is just a gigantic community project that we as fans of this format and of this particular site have created. And it refused to die because of the man who is currently the host. So if you love this product and you care about it to a point where you think that, you know, this is something that you would like to help out and try to give back. We've been here for, what is it, five years now? The site in of itself, five, six years, give or take? Uh, it'll be about five years next January. Right, so we are coming up on very close on our five-year run of being there. Most casual community sites don't really last too long. 
There are plenty of other websites out there that are commander-based, and they've come and they've gone, not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but we've seen it. We've been there. We've been through the hurdles. We've done what we could to support the ones that could, and some prospered and went on. Some have faded off but are not gone from our memories because there are still people that we care for. But the site in and of itself, commandercast.com, is currently, and as far as I'm concerned, the best commander cast product that you can the best commander product outside of like something you get specifically from watsi out there we are unbiased we do not particularly like suck on the teeth of any anyone all of our opinions are true appeal are our true feelings we basically do everything we can to give you honest feedback and never once have we faltered and we've always been here for you so now if you want to help join in assist and try to make the site better you can, too. You don't even have to write an article. You don't have to write a podcast. All you need is a dollar in your pocket a month that you'd be willing to give to the site. And that's all I've got. Clay, Mark, anything you guys want to add? Nah, man. Calvin summed it up pretty nicely. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, before we move on, I just want to go ahead and thank everyone on staff. Just a real huge thank you for supporting me through this, because there is no way that I would have followed through on the Patreon thing if just most of you guys weren't okay with that. Like, one or two people grumbling or anything like that, it's understandable if that happens. I don't fault anyone if they felt that way. But having your support is just, it's everything that makes this actually possible. So, thank you very much. Next up, we're going to go into a small five-color primer. Basically... I need help with my sliver deck. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. There, now that we're well. done crying and getting all emotional, it's time for us to move on, to do something that involves cards. <laughs> Looking at yeah. the... Uh... You guys ready to go into strategy? Let's do it. I guess so. All right, then. So, I've been having some problems with five color. My chicken is dirt. So, I've been having some problems with five color recently. It's my five color sliver deck, which I'm going to drop. There's a link to it in the show notes, but I'm going to drop it into the chat real quick for these guys. And so, we're going to, let's see. I want to use this as like the basis for a small five color primer because mm-hmm. we do have Converge as a mechanic now, and it's actually really cool. You know, the more colors of mana you put into it the bigger the effect you get. Like, I actually put Bring the Light into my Sliver deck, and it's actually pretty cool. But every time I try and play a five-color deck, you know, I, there just seems to be something really off about it. Like, either I'm running out of cards, or the fixing isn't quite right. Like, I think I had the fixing right fixed. I think I actually had the mana fixing fixed in this iteration of, like, the land base and stuff like that. But... I don't know. There's just something about five color that keeps messing me up off my deck building groove. So, guys, the first question we ask is, what do you do when you start building a mana base for the five color deck? Like, obviously, <laughs> there are people who, when they think five color, they think, oh, you get like five fetches or maybe ten if you can get the original Zendikar ones. You get like all these shock lands, and then you just have a perfect mana base, and you play no basic lands. But what's the real actual advice here? 
my advice is too many basics. Um, that is my personal thing here. Just because having the colors when you need it are very, very important. Are you talking about my deck specifically or like yeah. in general? Um, but well, I mean, like let's let's start with in general and then compare yeah. the deck to the guys um, we put out. Just in general, there are so many cheap options these days for lands that either produce more than one color, or if you do go playing with the basics route, um, you have like Terramorphic Expanse and Evolving Wilds to fix your colors. You also have the panoramas from um, Lara that can each find like different types of basic lands. Like there's uh, three different basic lands. Um. Am I just, on lag? You might just be on land. Or lag. But my brain's not working right now. Um, but yeah, like you, you don't need to have super expensive multicolored lands, but it really does help when you have that many colors to have more color fixing. Alright, so Mark, I know you play five color allies. They're kind of like slivers. What do you do for the land base? Uh, man, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find this episode of Rivals Duel, because the best advice I ever got on this was actually from Eric and Noel, because I wrote in, like, a long, long time ago, even before I started working, or, you know, writing for the site, um, about my allies deck, um, and the best advice I got from those guys is colorless sources of mana fixing. So, I mean, the first thing that, that I would notice here is there's no Chrome Lantern, man. Man, I love me some Chromatic Lantern. That's that's one, but also like little things um, that I always that that help me out a lot, like Wayfarer's Bauble, Felwar Stone, Traveler's Amulet, um, Expedition Map was always a good one, you know, to just pop out some some recursion. Um, my problem when I first started and I was having the you know this just doesn't feel right was that I was going too far in one direction for my like I had too many green sources to pop things out. You know, like I was ramping with, you know, like ramping growth, like effects, um, but I couldn't always get the green to get the ramping growth out. So that's why I switched over to just the colorless sources. Like even something like a coalition relic or a dark steel ingot, man. Like it goes a long way. Um, I mean, you do have the astral cornucopia, the conjurer's, uh, commander sphere, etc. You've got the ingot in there. Um, but I, I think even more artifacts, like in mine, I'm trying to see how many artifacts I run in this deck. Um, I run 17 artifacts in my five-color deck. Now, I'm an artifact freak anyway, and not all of those are straight um, color fixing, but there there are a few that I think are, are really good. I don't know, for, for slivers, um, slivers are have a nice part, but they're not super expensive to cast. But even so, like even in my allies deck, I like running something like a Quicksilver Amulet, because then I can just pop out a creature card for four colorless mana, you know, because I might not always have the different colors of mana out there. Um, or something goofy like, you know, like Cryptic Gateway, I think, is a, is a big one for me. Oh, which you have in, hilarious. Yeah, which you have in this deck. So that one's, that one's a good pick too, you know? Um, other, other things I think, like, you know, like you got, you don't have the Felwar Stone, but you got Exotic Orchard, which is my vote for like one of the best lands that I've been sleeping on for years. Uh, Exotic Orchard is just a Felwar Stone. Like it just, you tap it to yeah. add one mana to your mana pool of any color of land an opponent controls could produce. Um, as far as other lands go, and like, since you're such a heavy creature deck, I mean, you've got Ancient Ziggurat in there. Um, I always like, you know, the, I mean, people like to shit on them, but the, like the pain lands, 
are really <laughs> handy for me. I take City of Brass and the Pain Lands above any of the comes into play tap lands any day of the week. Mm-hmm. For me, that that actually did help quite a bit because I would find that my color fixing was kind of slow. And sometimes when it comes in, you know, like say I don't know, my Caves of Koilos comes in untapped. I sometimes I just need the extra mana. I don't always need, you know, the whatever else is in there, you know, the, the black or the or the white mana at the time. But the times you do need it, like screw it, man, you just need that goddamn shit. So <laughs> also Cave of so- Cavern of Souls, man. Come on, what are you doing? I mean, there was Cavern of Souls in there, and then I only had one. And then yeah. I remembered how much I hate Kalia gets countered, so I put it back into Kalia. I did just pick up a playset from the store, though, so I could play Slivers in Modern. Okay, I mean, hey, that's a thing. You know, I but, I mean, I think five-color decks are also fun to experiment with cards. Like, a card that I would probably never play in any other deck, but I kind of actually like in my five-color deck is Mirrodin's Core. Mm. Like, that... Hmm. Like, that one's a little weird, you know, because Mirrodin's Core comes in untapped, you get one colorless mana, or you can put charge counters on it. And I find that, first of all, no one gives a shit if you're putting charge counters on your Mirrodin Core, right? But it also, like, people, you'll put charge counters on it, and then you can take a charge counter off to get one mana of any color when you need it. So, I don't know, it helps. You know, I mean, you've got the Opal Palace in here already, too, but little things like that I have found help. The, um... What you don't have in here, what I was surprised was you don't have a reflecting pool, man. You got the vivid lands, but no reflecting pool. Hmm. So, um, like little, and reflecting pool is not expensive. Like, I think it's like six bucks. You know, not that bad. Thespian stage or, um, some of the other ones, you know, uh, thawing glaciers. Since you do have quite a bit of, um, you know, uh, basic lands in here, thawing glaciers actually kind of helps sometimes too. That one's like, I have, like, residual color fixing for me. Like, I'll throw it down there, and I'm like, oh, I could use, like, an extra mountain, you know? And I'll go fetch out an extra mountain. Like, I have a very low uh, basic land count here. You all have, like, three mountains in the entire deck, uh, two swamps, something like that. Um, you see, on that point, I did want to bring up that... Uh, I remember that episode that Eric and Noel were going. So, at first, I was tr- trying to go, like, teamer slivers, kind of splashing white and black. But then I decided to go, okay, let's just go more primarily blue-green slivers, secondary red, and then tertiary white-black, mm-hmm. which actually made the lands kind of easier to do because then I could just focus on primarily blue and green sources and then mm-hmm. things that tangentially tap for the others. Like, if yeah. you look at the tri-lands I have, they all tap for at least blue and green. Mm. Fair. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, too. I think Noel brought that up um, on that podcast like a long time ago, and that's how I changed how I've looked at five-color decks. He said, you know, most five-color decks are really wedge decks that splash the other two, just like Will said. Like, my five-color allies deck is a bant deck that splashes, like, red and black for a couple effects, you know? So that's that's really what you focus on. So you focus on getting those out there and then having the ability to generate the other types of mana if you need it, you know? So that's what I would, that's what I would, like, if you're considering a five-color deck, Think of it in those terms, and I think you'll have uh, you'll be able to narrow down your focus a lot more. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and look more at the sliver deck in general. I did not realize how many creatures this deck is. Like almost half the deck is just creatures. There's 42 different creatures. Uh, part of that is that I do have a lot of like the Birds of Paradise type stuff in there. I actually have the Feast Color Sound from Battle for the card in there that I can I can actually just cut some of those forward. You know, more utility spells and stuff, like get the, uh, the chromatic lantern and stuff like that, make the fixing more colorless. But this also goes kind of to the theme versus function debate that we had a, a week or two ago. 
where it's like, well, how far do you want to go into theme to give up functionality? And I feel like I've definitely gone too far into theme. Like, hmm. how far back do I need to pull the slivers for it to feel, still feel like a, a kind of a, just a derby sliver deck without running out of gas or running out of, you know, just cards to play? Cause that seems like it's my primary thing is that I'm, I'm playing slivers and then just like one board wipe later, I don't have the slivers to play. Hmm. Well, you could always throw in, you know, since it's five color, man, you could throw in a your tiller Nephilim. <laughs> that dude actually does a lot of work in my allies deck. I'm not lying. All right, so 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 what does he do for the listeners out there? All right, so your Tiller Nephilim is one of those weird four color cards. So he's a white, a blue, a black, and a red. He's a two two Nephilim. This is a creature type. So whenever your Tiller Nephilim attacks, return target creature card from your graveyard to play, tap and attacking. So like your deck is kind of doing the same thing my deck is, or relies on creatures to really get all the effects out of it. Um, and I have problems with recursion, you know. Um, and also, I had a copy of Your Tiller Nephilim sitting around for years that I never used in any other deck ever. Uh, and I'm like, hmm, five-color deck with recursion problem. Extra copy of Your Tiller Nephilim. I can solve this problem. So it's worth a shot. And you know what? Like, sometimes that's why I'm like, I like a five-color deck to just be like, eh, let's try this goofy thing, you know, and see see how it works. So, you know, give it a shot, man. What about you, Clay? Um, I mean, the only two five-color decks that I've used um, are Genju of the Realm, which was basically Manlands.deck, and then Scion Dragon Tribal, when Dragons of Tarkir, Dragons of Tarkir first came out. Um, and for those, I'm actually not really sure. I think the mana bases for them were actually pretty even across all the colors, just because the number of effects in each deck was roughly the same. So it's kind of a different thing than talking about like having them be uh, wedge or shard decks. But one thing, uh, make sure you have mana rocks that can help with your color fixing because that is invaluable. Like a chromatic lantern, definitely. Um, you also have like dark steel ingot, spectral searchlight. Felwar stone is absolutely amazing in any five color deck because it can tap for anything that your opponents have. Um, and as far as deck building five color decks, just play whatever you want. Have fun with it. I do like themed five color decks because you just kind of get to do whatever you want with them. I never really see five color as really competitive anyway, even though people try to make them so. I mean, five color hermit druid. The, the, we, we don't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) So Calvin, we have, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, okay. Me personally, I have a five-color deck. It's a five-color sliver deck. It's nothing like Williams here. Mine's mostly has a ton of signets in it, primarily because I find that the signets are pretty much mana rocks that I can use to filter color. And the main reason why I say that is because sometimes my lands will give me the colors that I need, but then every so often, like when I'm playing the deck, it'll be like, oh man, I've got all my green and white lands, or I've got green whites, but I need blue and black. So if I happen to have the signets, then I can just filter the green and the white through the signets. And I also would like suggest like a couple of the filter lands too, Hmm. just because, you know, they give you a chance where you might not have, they might be colorless when you use them, so you can see what you're using it for mana, but when your mana is off, you can just be like, well, instead of paying six mana this turn, 
I'll filter this. I'll have five mana, but I'll have the colors that I need. Hmm. I also have a tendency to play a bunch of the Karoo lands, the ones from Ravnica, not the other ones that bounce the single land. The actual, like, Ravnica, Karoo lands, where they enter the battlefield, you tap them and they produce two mana of a color. And I combine those with the Vivids, because the Vivids give me five color. But after using the Vivids two or three times, the counters go away and they only produce one. But I can bounce them back to my hand with the Karoos and then play the Vivids again later and use the Vivids again for more five color shenanigans. Uh, another card I would suggest would be uh, Rift Stone Portal, because once that's in your graveyard, now every land you have produces either produces at least two colors, even your green-white ones, or just regular green-white ones, but everything that's not green or white produces three colors. If you happen to have, like, a Karoo land that's, like, say, for instance, you have a... a hold on, let me look here. Where are you? What's the red-blue one? So you have the... Um, is it Boilerworks? Yes, it is. It's red and blue Karoo land. Basically, it comes in, bounces the land. You can tap it for a blue and for a red. But if you have Rift Portal in your graveyard, you now have a four-color land that can tap for red and blue or green or white. Hmm. So it gives you a chance to use the – basically, the, the way my deck is is designed mostly, a large portion of the lands are designed to be two-color, three-color, and finding other ways to potentially turn those colors into other colors and using my artifacts for my signets to also filter a land through. But I also have a couple other cards that are like the – um. Uh, hold on a sec. William, I'm about to fuck this card all up. I'm going to need your help. Pronunciation. Armillary Sphere? Yeah. Armillary Sphere. Yeah, that's right. All right. Yeah, I, like, I got cards like Armillary Sphere and things like that, so this way I can tap those and get the lands that I need and search them out. Just like Clay said earlier, Terramorphic Expanse and all the uh, panoramas are in there. And another type of land that I have a tendency to also put into the deck would be the... um would be like storage lands. And for any of you that don't know, let's see, a example of a storage land is uh salt crusted steps or stepped or whatever this is. Step. It's a land uh, salt salt crusted step. It's a land from future site, I think. Or time, time spiral block. I I think it's time spiral. Yeah. It's from that block. That's the yeah. time. It, it's from that block. But anyway, it's a land it can it comes into play. It doesn't come into play tap, so you can tap it for colorless mana. And you have the option to pay one and tap it and put a storage counter on it. Then later you can pay one and remove X storage counters from it. And when you do, you add X mana to your mana pool in any combination of green and or white. So pretty much like if you know you're going to be needing green mana, you know you're going to be needing white mana because your deck is designed for that. And you know like you're going to be, you, you can pretty much use this as just regular colorless mana to place livers that have colorless mana in them so you can cast stuff. But, you know, if you know you have nothing in your hand, you want to bluff, you got a counter spell before your turn comes around. Yeah, but, you know, one other thing I would suggest potentially, are we going to go into the technology segment? Uh, Yeah, we'll go into technology segment after this. All right. But technology segment will not be related to five colors, so if you have anything you want to say about five colors turning individual cards, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> okay, for the five colors, basically one of the other things I would personally suggest would be if you're like William and he's worried about wrath effects, you're playing five colors, you can play like makeshift mannequin and you can play rise from the grave and all the other like cards that bring creatures back from the graveyard to your side of the field if you felt like it. And you know, since there's slivers, you know, they just show up, start pumping each other up and stuff, so Oh, also since you're in since you're in tribal, you could play Harsh Mercy. Harsh Mercy. It's a board wipe of your own. 
Um, it costs two and a white. It's a sorcery. Each player chooses a creature type, then destroy all creature ty- all creatures that aren't a type that was named. Ooh. It's a one-sided wipe for tribal decks, and then everyone else gets to keep their best creature. And wait, you're playing Hive Lord as your commander, right? Well, see, I was about to elaborate and say, now for you listeners out there, if you know that Hive Lord is in fact my commander, then... You shouldn't pro- be worried about board wipes. Except my playgroup has gotten very good about playing around indestructibility. So I still have to worry about Fair. things like Terminus, Final Judgment, Cyclonic Rift, you know, Exile Merciless Effect. Eviction? Merciless Eviction is another very played one. Or people just going uh, Exile, Hive Lord, then Wrath. Yeah, so, as like, they should. As they should. All right, so Mark, Clay, did you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um... Did anybody mention? Oh, go ahead. You first. Go ahead. You first, Mark. Oh, mine was real quick. Did anybody mention Urza's Incubator? No. <laughs> Fucking love that card, man. Come on, man. You're playing tribal, dude. Playing tribal five color. You need to make stuff cheaper. Play some Urza's Incubator. Some Call to the Kindred. You know, I Hibernation's End. One of my faves. So, <laughs> come on, man. Everybody um. loves cumulative impact, cumulative upkeep. Okay, that's so all the, I got. Okay, so the key here is that William is not necessarily bad at building five color decks. He's bad at building tribal decks. Maybe he's just bad at building decks. Period. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's why he has us build them for him. Damn it, they're on to me. Um, but basically, in my experience, the key to having a consistent five color deck is to make sure that you have your colors when you need them. Um, be it through mana rocks or prismatic omen or chromatic lantern, that sort of thing. Um, and just play stuff. Oh yeah, um, Crystal Quarry is a really funny card. Um, it's a land that taps for colorless, or you can pay five and tap a dad Wooberg to your mana pool. Uh, combine it with Fist of Suns, which allows you to cast any spell for Wooberg instead of its normal cost. (laughs) That sort of thing. It's cute. And also, since you are playing Firecolor, this is like the perfect place to put like those, uh, what was that one card? Conflux. 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 It's in there. I've also got Mousetrap Nexus for cascading slivers. Mousetrap Nexus is hilarious. No, I wasn't thinking of Conflux. There was another card. What's the one we had to pay double of each color? It's like an artifact Genesis? or something. With... Uh, no, Dwarf Destinies? There we or, go. No, Door to Nothingness, that's what it is. Yeah, there we go. Door to Nothingness. Destroy Target are... Player? Yeah, seeing as how we are playing five color, you know, might as well slot in like some balls of the wall, like off the wall win con. That actually requires all five colors to be available, like door to nothingness or whatever. I actually did put in chromatic core so that I could put it on the sliver hive lord. <laughs> I support that. I do uh, too. All right. Actually, now William's doing it right because it's not a creature; it's an enchantment. Ooh, it I... happens to become a creature later. Maybe I'll put in Corona. Actually, Corona's hilarious. Why not? All right. So that does it on the brief help William with his five color folly segment. Next up, we're going to go into our technology segment, and this one might leave you in tears. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. I don't remember where I was, but I referred to the mana symbol, the the, the island, the symbol that's on the islands, as a piss drop. It's a driplet of piss, because every time I see an island... Accurate.
So, as I was telling you guys earlier today, um, there's a guy in my area who played a Tromo Kratos deck that I think became a Cruffix deck. And what's become one of the signature cards for those decks is a little guy called Dan Dan. So if you've never heard of Dan Dan before, don't feel bad. He was a guy who was originally printed in Arabian Nights and ended up getting time-shifted into Time Spiral. So this guy's modern legal for two blue, for blue-blue. That's, that's it. It's literally counterspell magic. You get a 4-1 fish creature. It's a 4-1 for two mana in blue. Now, what else is on this? Well, for one, Dan Dan can't attack unless the defending player controls an island. And when you control no islands, you sacrifice Dan Dan. But you're playing blue, so of course you have, you're gonna have islands. Like, this card is just stupid for some reason. Like, yeah, it's stupid. Like, I've, I literally had to say, I'm sorry it's guys, I can't deal with Dan Dan right now. That's the thing I literally had to say. It's actually become kind of something of a meme god in my area. So then we got to talking, and the conversation came up, well, what could you just do that's better than Dan Dan for Blue Blue Counterspell Magic? So we're going to play a little bit, we're going to play some Mental Magic here, and we're going to go ahead and name off up to three cards each of cards you could be playing for Blue Blue. Other than Dan Dan. Other than Dan Dan. So if you're playing Richard Garfield PhD as your commander, and you draw Dan Dan, here are some of the things that you could you can be playing with that. So... I've got Carry Away, which is an enchantment aura from Dark Steel. It's not uncommon. Enchant Equipment. When Carry Away enters the battlefield, unattached enchant equipment, you control enchanted equipment. So it's literally a mind control for whatever, for a sort of X and Y, or the sort of the animus that's been making its rounds. You know, if you're playing in a meta where there is a lot of Voltron play, a lot, a lot of stuff like that, like a Goto deck, just take their best equipment, and congratulations, you now have that $50 sword. Also, I love the flavor text. It says, stealing goblin weapons would be easier if goblins were smart enough to let go. <laughs> it's got a little guy being raised up by his hammer. Alright, so, uh, Mark, I know you said you didn't really have a whole lot, but why don't you go ahead and give us what you do have, alright? Double blue, we're really doing the double blue casting cost thing? Apparently. I'm dropping the link into the show notes so you don't have to look it up. There you go. Okay. Those are all the cards that cost blue blue. Uh, oh, all right, fine. I, I don't know. I don't know about this one. <laughs> what piracy? Yeah, Does I mean piracy is a thing, I guess. I don't. Oh, I got Homerd spawning bed, man. Maybe icy prison, but that sucks ass. War of dominance is pretty good. Mm, I don't know if I ever played that. I have uh, played invincibility. Uh, oh, Kami of the Crescent Moon. There you go. I guess I would do. That's actually a card I would play. Hmm. Man, we are just woof. Counterspell. Played that. Oh, Lord of Atlantis, Lord of the Unreal. Okay, so we got some lords in there. I I might play. Hmm. Ooh, Transmute Artifact. Holy shit! How did I forget that? There we go. That's my pick. Transmute Artifact, man. Hmm. All right, whenever you're ready. All right, guys. Um, so number one, don't play Dan Dan. Uh, two, it's expensive, but go find Transmute Artifact. Uh, you could throw in a Turbulent Dreams, because I kind of dig that one, too. Um, and that's all I got. So. And with that, now Mark is going to be completely silent for the remainder of the technology segment. <laughs> so what do you guys have? I'll just, you know, sit back here and silently wait for you guys. <laughs> all right. So, Clay, what's your next card? Uh, my first card is a weird thing called Dance of Many. It's... 
kind of a weird sort of clone. Um, it costs blue blue, as you would think it would, given this segment. It's an enchantment. Um, when it enters the battlefield, put a token that's a copy of target non-token creature onto the battlefield. So you get to clone something when it comes in. Uh, when Dance of Many leaves the battlefield, you exile a token. When the token leaves the battlefield, you sacrifice Dance of Many. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Dance of Many unless you pay blue-blue. So basically, it's a under-costed clone that has an upkeep cost and is vulnerable to enchantment removal, but you also can have shenanigans like attacking with a Sun Titan, bringing in Dance of Many as a cop to bring in another token copy of Sun Titan, or if you are in Bant and you have a Parallel Lives or a Doubling Season, two Sun Titans to get even more stuff back. Yeah. Shenanigans. But da 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 da. Shenanigans. So yeah, that's my first one. Alright then. Calvin, what do you got for your first one? Okay, so for my first one, I'll go with a two mana blue, uh, a blue card that's two mana that I've actually played around with in the past, and that would be Aura of, of Dominion. Aura of Dominion is double blue, it's an enchant creature, and it has pay one, tap an untapped creature you control. Untap enchanted creature. This card I've picked up and I've slapped it into my commander decks that have, like, Experiment Crodge. Because now I can tap him, put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature. Then I can just pay a colorless, tap the creature I put the counter on, and get Crodge back. And now I still have access to the ability of whatever I put that counter on. And proceed to do so with any other creatures that have abilities on them, as long as I've got the mana for it. But it's also nice to know that depending on how many creatures I've got and how many tokens or whatever manner I have available, I can potentially untap Crodge multiple times until I can get like a nice infinite combo going off with him where he can start going off on his own without needing the enchantment. But yeah, it's just one of the few ones that I've enjoyed. All right. Well, and you know, it's also a good, it's also a good political card too, because if you enchant an opponent's creature, you can then theoretically say like after the creature has attacked, if someone attacks them, you can say, well, I could pay a blue and tap this guy, and your creature will become untapped and can potentially block. So, no, I like you know, it. Just, I like just, it. just things to do with it. You can put it on Dan Dan. No, you can't. Why not? Because Dan Dan sucks. You know what? Here's what you do. You put it on something else. You play Dan Dan. You tap Dan Dan. Untap the creature that you that's actually worth it. And then you, like, I don't know, find some way to give Dan Dan to somebody else so they can blow up. Alright, so let's go on to the next card. Next card for me is Muddle the Mixture. This to drop is an instant, counter-target instant or sorcery spell. Which, alright, I usually tend to want to counter those anyway. Like, the creatures can end up staying on the board since people will usually wrath or kill or exile that, that stuff for me. But the instant or sorcery spell stuff that I need to counter, it's good to have just something that can counter, hard counter those. But, this has some added utility to it. When I don't need the counter spell, I can transmute it for one blue-blue, so I can pay the three, discard it, and tutor for a different two-drop of any combination of mana, as long as it's a two-drop, which is some very handy utility. Clay. Uh, my second card is an old is a, an old favorite of mine. It's called Declaration of Naught. It's from <laughs> Morningtide. costs blue-blue. Um, it's an enchantment as well. Um, as it enters the battlefield, you name a card, and you can pay blue, counter-target spell with that name. So you can be incredibly rude in our format and say name someone's commander, or if someone has 
search for something with like worldly tutor and you know it's still in their hand and you just don't want them to have it you can name it you can name format staples and if people try to play them you can be like <laughs> no nope, i have a blue weapon um just say no to profit of crucifix kid just say no to profit of crucifix truer words have never been spoken so yeah yep it's also just, you know, sometimes you need to include tech like this to deal with commanders at scale, like Marath and Prosh. Yeah. Like, Prosh will still get tokens on his cash trigger, but they, at least they won't get Prosh itself. Yeah. Marath, it's, it's one of the few ways you, you get to just stop Marath cold, because they want to send it back to the command zone, so killing him doesn't do anything. Alright, Calvin, you have another card for us? Uh, yes. The second card that I'm going to pick is going to be Legacies Allure. It's an uncommon from Tempest, and it reads, Double Blue, Enchantment. During your upkeep, you may pay, you may put a treasure counter on Legacy as a lore. Sacrifice Legacy as a lore. Permanent, uh, permanently gain control of target creature with power greater than or equal to Legacy as a lore. Or the counters that were on Legacy as a lore. Basically what happens here is, is that you pretty much put it down over the course of the game. It builds a few counters. If something occurs and someone tries to blow it up after it has a couple of counters on it, you could just pop it, I don't know, maybe take a token. But depending on how big it is, you might be able to steal someone's commander permanently, or you could steal, I don't know, their Sun Titan, get it back, steal their, I don't know. Uh, ooh, actually, no. I, I was about to say you could steal their Jace, the creature version, but then when he flips into a, a Planeswalker, you'd lose them anyway, so that'd be a waste of time. Uh, let's see. If you're playing Slithers, or if your opponents are playing Slivers, you could steal their Sliver Overlord, and then use Sliver Overlord to steal their Slivers. But that would be rude. But that would also be blue. Mm, Alright. Welcome to blue. (laughs) Alright then. So let's go ahead and go on to the last round of cards, wrap this up. My last card is going to be Telekinesis, which... Ah, I did not have it up. I done goofed. (sighs) Shame. It's okay, it's on the third page. There's actually like four pages of these things. Who has so many things for just two blue? It's actually kind of unfair. So Telekinesis is a really old card. We're going back to Legends for this thing. It's an instant that says, Tap target creature, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by that creature this turn. It doesn't untap during its control's next two untap steps. So, one, you're just fogging a creature. So that Prosh that was about to kill you, or that Eldrazi, just deals no damage this turn. And now you've got to lock down for the next two rounds. That's a lot of turns for a creature to have to survive in order to, to attack again. And it's an instant, so you can put it underneath the Isochron Scepter. In fact, if, in fact, the great thing about all these is that they're instants that you can put underneath the Isochron Scepter. All right, then. So, Clay, what's your last card for the night? Uh, my last one for the night, I'm actually going to bend the rules of this technology segment just a little bit and give a card with an activation cost of blue-blue. Um, my last card is actually not going to be the one that I've written down in the show notes. I'm changing it at the last minute. Um, Hakim Loreweaver from Mirage. He's a potential commander. He's a legendary creature human wizard, a 2-4 for 3 blue-blue. Um... So he does have double blue in his mana cost. He doesn't, he just costs more than just blue blue. Um, he has flying, which is cool. And he has two activated abilities. The first one costs blue blue. Return target aura card from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to Hakim Lore Weaver. Activate this ability only during your upkeep and only if Hakim isn't enchanted. So basically on your upkeep, 
if he doesn't have any enchantments on him, you can pay blue-blue a bunch of times and bring a bunch of enchantments back because it only cares that he's not enchanted um, when you activate the ability. And then he also has blue-blue tap, destroy all auras attached to Hakim. So I just really now want to make a deck with a bunch of different auras in blue and just untap with him and be on my upkeep, be like, I'm going to pay 8 mana, and I'm going to bring back making him unblockable, Eldrazi Conscription, and two other giant things, and he kills you. Yep, and he plays so well with Crown of Ages. Yep. Okay. I personally love him because of the fact that his name is Hakeem. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would, like, think of it. How many magic cards can you play that has a name that awesome? Just flat out, like, I don't, like what, what was his full title? Hakeem uh, Lore, Lore Weaver. Don't even need that. Just call the man Hakeem. I would just be like, I'm just, I'm just playing Hakeem. I would even like get, I would buy him and get a black sharpie and write out and just X off the rest of his name. <laughs> All right. So Calvin, <laughs> what's your last card? You have one? Uh, yeah, I've got the last one. So my last card, and this is basically just for fun because I wanted to talk about it. Not even because I've played it, not even because it's legal in this format. I just kind of think it's hilarious. And a, the card is Sare. It's a two blue. It's an enchantment. It's from one of the, it's from Unglued. So it's technically not legal in this format or any format outside of just casually playing Unglued or whatever. But we know, hey, you know, this is a casual group. We're a casual people. If you decide you want to toss this in and your group's fine with it, then, you know, go right ahead. So Sare. Before playing any spell, if a copy of that spell card is in any graveyard, that spell's caster may say, sorry. If he or she does not, any other player may counter that spell by saying, sorry, as it's cast. If any player says, sorry, at any time other than this, sorry deals two damage to that player. So, pretty much here's how this card works. So, sorry's on the field. Clay decides he cat Clay's playing green. He casts his rampant growth. It goes to the graveyard. Right? He gets his lands. Now William, he is also playing green. He decides he wants to cast his rampant growth. William could say sorry and get two rampant growths out of it. If William doesn't say sorry and he casts his rampant uh, growth, no, that's not quite what Outward does. He he just has to say sorry before anyone else does. Yeah, he has to say sorry. Before but if someone else, else says sorry, it's it's like yeah. it's like the Uno rule. It, you yeah, have to say like Uno it. first, but if they say Uno first, your spell gets countered. But if you yeah, say I'm, Uno any other time, you take yeah, damage. But, yeah, but thing is, it says before playing any spell, if a copy of that spell is in a graveyard, that yeah. spell's caster may say sorry. So before playing the spell, like if I have it, I can say sorry and then play it. Correct, as long as I know William has it, because it says before playing any spell. Uh. Yeah. It's not casting, it's prior to casting. Uh, they just never updated the oracle text on... on Before Blue. playing any spell, if a copy of that spell card is in any graveyard, so I go, sorry, rampant growth. That's how it works. Yeah. If I don't, and then Clay says... Yeah, sorry. If I, if I just go, rampant growth, and Clay says, sorry... And then Clay sorry, goes, sorry. I go, oh, yeah! Yeah, that's and then your spell that. gets countered. And then my All right, so that's what I'm saying. So, like... Like Clay puts ramp, Clay, cast rampant growth. William says sorry. Cast his rampant growth. William gets two rampant growths. No, he doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't actually copy it. If why copy, would he get? It, oh why, no! Why, that, oh, I, sorry. I sorry. I was under the impression that you <laughs> take got two damage. It. Take two damage. I just took for four damage. So like I was under the impression that you got a copy. That's it. Oh, okay, I misread it. Yeah, but, but, you know, actually, you know, when I think about it, 
It's okay. actually pretty cool in there a way. Because... There is a second part to this. What's that? If any player says sorry at any of the time, sorry deals two damage to that player. I would actually right. just play this as an enchantment that will occasionally shock somebody. Especially when you have that one friend that's always saying sorry, which is really mean-spirited, and I don't actually encourage you to do that. But the same but, then, but in the same token, it would also shock the hell out of the sarcastic asshole who's just like, ooh, sorry about this. Like, nope, I'm sorry about this. You take two. And then you redirect it to the Planeswalker. Now they feel really bad. Yeah, but basically, it's one of those cards that I, I misread it, but in the same token, it's still pretty awesome. I think it's funny. And I think it would still be good to use. And it's a nice way for a blue player to have a counter spell in his arsenal that any player can easily prevent from countering anything as long as they know what they're playing. All right. And that's a good... And on that note, let's go ahead and end this. It's time for us to go to our outro. Let's just knock this out. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Blade's got to go sleepy it's, sleep. It's late. Calvin and I need to record card advantage. Let's go ahead. So, this has been Commander Cast episode 223. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for coming out today. Mark Clay, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Calvin, thank you for showing up. Yeah, I'm here. Doing my thing as per usual showing up late as hell. Alright then. So at this point, we're going to go start handing out contact information. Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, if people want to reach out and contact me, it's simple. All you got to do is go over to Twitter, hit me up at Captain Red Zone, or you can hit me up in the email in gmail at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. Or you can go over to the CommanderCast Facebook page and hit us up over there. Me, Jake, William, Judson, we're all over there. And now, whenever we post something there, it goes to our Twitter page, or we're at, at CommanderCast. So, you know, if you happen to see something come up, or see something there, see something, say something, tell your friends. <laughs> Safety. Alright. So, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, just my Gmail address will be down in the show notes, guys. Um, hit me up about, uh, oh, anything. Actually, especially hit me up if anyone's considering going over to Rhode Island Comic Con, because I'm still on the fence about that one. So, um, or maybe any cons in the future in the New England area. I have, like, a jonesing to go to a con recently. I don't know. I've been fanboying it up something fierce. Like, this weekend, I forgot the joy of podcasting, because I, it was, it was, I had a really dorky moment, man. Like, there's a podcast I really love, Gamers With Jobs. And they had mentioned, like, I just wrote into them about some silly tech problem I was having. And they read my letter on the on the, the show, and I'm like, ooh, they read my letter on a podcast. Which is kind of ironic, because I just got off another podcast. And <laughs> I was just all excited someone read my letter on a podcast. So, I thought it was I thought it was a good sign I wasn't too fucking jaded about this whole experience. So, I wouldn't say jaded. I would just say they got to the point where the novelty wore off, only it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, so I was actually happy that happened. So. Alright then. Clay, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and at Gmail as EDHPanda, so EDHPanda at gmail.com and at EDHPanda on Twitter. Um, my girlfriend Mallory and I occasionally stream on Twitch um, as Pandalpaca. And you can also find us on Twitter under that same handle for updates on what we play and when we go live. Alright then. If you want to email me personally on wiehernandez at gmail.com you can also follow me on twitter on at blueram1409 
If you want to get in touch with Commander Cast proper, though, email us, commandercast at gmail.com, or follow us on the Twitter, we're at CommanderCast. And you can also message the Facebook, where Calvin, Judd, and Jacob man that. And actually, I did manage to hook up the Facebook page to the Twitter, finally. So now, anytime we post a show on the Facebook page, you will, in fact, get it on the Twitter feed. Fantastic stuff. That's at least worth a dollar. At least a dollar, yeah! So, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll review any of the five-star reviews on air. Better yet, support the Patreon. We just spent a good amount of time talking about it earlier, but this will be where I stick the plug at the end of every show. Every dollar helps, but no pressure. If we're worth a dollar to you, then please, by all means, go ahead and send a little bit our way. Uh, so what you're saying is now I've got to go online and find that RoboCop. I'd buy that for a dollar sound bit and <laughs> add that in here somewhere. Yep. <laughs> all right. So thanks to everyone who contributes to our website. You are all fantastic people. Music for our show is the X Meets Heavy Metal series by 331 E-Rock. We will see you next week with more timidity, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! My argument for that would be let's go ahead and make sure that we have our terms clarified at the beginning so that we're on the same page. While any magic player who knows that term will be like, okay, yeah, I know what a mana rock is, whatever. They're just going to glance over it and not really think about it. So there's no actual harm to it. Whereas a newer player who got recommended this podcast or website or whatever by friends because they're like, oh, hey, you're getting to Commander. Go ahead and check this place out. You can still stumble on these and then get lost in all the jargon and feel walled out. Okay. I mean, hey, I left it in there, but I guess I was the dissenting vote. Hey, Calvin. Stop, bitches. Calvin. Oh, wait, he's actually here? Yes, he is. Uh, what? Calvin, are you at... Are you at... I'm currently... What was that? I was about to ask, where are you now? Um, about, let's see, about four houses away from my place, walking down the street. Four hours from your house? Houses. Four houses. Okay. God damn it. Penis. After you and Mark leave, Calvin and I are going to do a clone cast for, uh, card advantage. <sighs> Let's see then. I need two episodes. Uh, make a new one. Google Docs. Clone cast. Card advantage. Clever impersonations. Let's see. I think we have, let's see. I think we actually called it like evil twin cast. That's what we called it. We called it evil twin cast. Because it's a double pun.
because Evil Twin is an awesome clone effect, and Twin Cast is in fact a fork. You see what we did there? I'm ignoring what you did there, for the record. <laughs> Look back on history of Commander Precons. History of Commander Precons? Yeah, we're gonna look back and look. We're gonna look back on the history of the Commander Precons. Because ah. that's what Carvanish does. They like clues and Rich like to do kind of like a a history enriching thing. Huh. Actually, it's kind of like watching the History Channel sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's see. Twenty eleven was what decks? Twenty eleven was wedges. We got Sharp. none 2012, right? Because 2012 is Commander Arsenal or something? Yeah, 2012 is Commander Arsenal, which, be, which would be worth mentioning. Commander Arsenal with the foil Kalia that I still don't have. <laughs> and 2014 was the awesome monocolor decks that we're going to do a look-back review on next week. Also, can I say that I'm really happy that Dan and Jacob seem to be hitting it off with their idea for the Wolkish Mechanics episode? <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. All right, Calvin. You all set up? Howdy. Just about. I made it into the house. Uh, as I go through the process of setting up, How's about I give you guys a quick recap of what's recently been going on within my life hole? Ooh, please do. Okay. I've been, as everybody who pays any attention to anything I do, if they give a damn or not, I've recently been going, I went to school. That's one of the primary reasons I wasn't here for a few episodes in the past. Yeah. Correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Went for a dental assistant. So recently I've been going through the process of going out on interviews, going out looking for places, da 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 and recently, I got an interview. Sweet. That interview that I had was two weeks ago. I got a call back on Monday, and today was my first day working at the office. Ooh, nice, brother. Hey. Congrats. Thanks. Now, the issue being that, one, the office is roughly, um, it's a newer office. The hours are, let's just say, they're mostly morning stuff. With the exception of Thursday being Thursday being the only late day at the office. Mm. Typically, Thursdays, I'll be getting out of the office at 7. So, just mm, for you gentlemen to know, yeah, so just for you gentlemen to know, in the future, if I happen to be running even later or happen to be showing up, I'll just crash in once I get back home. Today, I got out of the office about 10 minutes earlier than what I normally would not at. So, I'd be roughly making it. Hmm? Actually, we could just push... Uh... Meet up time for recording back to eight if everyone's fine with that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, not necessarily saying that we have to do that. If you guys want to go ahead and start the show about me, chances are you guys will be through what, like the beginning parts of the intro and maybe the beginning of the community segment. In which case, I could just jump in and just go right ahead and say whatever I have to say about intros, reintroducing myself, tossing myself into there. I can just edit it back. Honestly, worst case scenario would probably just show up right in the middle of us bullshitting. Like, we were actually just reading off different things you could do for two blue mana. Uh, two blue mana. Hmm. Yep. Because apparently, Mark doesn't think Dandan is a good card. Uh, I would have to agree with Mark. Yeah. 
But see, the Dandan Dan has just killed people. I've seen it happen. Look, man, you can kill people with lots of things. That's, That's a pretty big good. fish story. Uh, okay. Aww. William, in this particular game, you can kill people with an animated island if you so chose to. That would still be a better decision than killing them with Dandan. Dan. I've done that before, and I've still seen Dandan. Dan. And Dandan Dan is OP, man. It's like the it's like the Lotus Guardian. You can't deal with it. Um, actually, you could you could deal with Dan Dan in like any number of ways. Dude's got one toughness. <laughs> Dude, wake of destruction. You could deal with Dan Dan just by not islands. having an island. It's Dan Dan though. You steal just not, it. You just don't have an island. If I steal it and, and I don't have any islands, I just killed your thing. Yeah. Like, is it, <laughs> but why would you kill Dan Dan? It's just a coin, man. Are valid points. <laughs> Alright, but Calvin, are you currently in a mode to receive a Google Doc link and look at it? Uh, actually, no, I'm, I haven't gotten anything. It's currently up and out, apparently. Go walk it off. Get down, mutt. Hmm. So, just go right ahead, read the card off. <laughs> Alright then. And I'll just go by what everybody's listening to. Alright. And just for, and just for current information, if I just so happen to randomly disappear in mid-conversation, it's because my phone died. I'm going to be back in the house and charge it as soon as I get this dog walk. All right, then. Like, Fred John without me. <laughs> All right, then. So, Calvin's going to mute, like you just did. Question. You said you introduced, you reintroduced Plane Chase for the first time? Um, yes. I could that is what I said. Ow. That, that, Ow. That, that is what I stand by. Oh, okay. Go well, ignore me then. All right. Is <laughs> right, the echo still here, Mark? I don't think so. Echo. Echo. Nope. No. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is my volume back up? Yep. You're good. Okay. Good. It's reset it itself. Okay. Continue with your commander of the week, William. All, right. this part, all of this stuff would just be cut out and just start your commander again. Exile to dangly bit zone. Process later. <clears throat> so my favorite commander of the week is Kali of the Vast. With a vengeance! Not a whole lot going on. I mean, I guess we could have done an Eldrazi thing because Battle for Zendikar, but none of these fuckers have played with Eldrazi. <laughs> we play with Eldrazi, just not the new ones. <laughs> hey, there was someone who was... <laughs> like, don't, like, don't get that statement twisted, listeners. <laughs> there was someone who was very excited to hear us talk about Eldrazi and was very disappointed, okay? That was you. No, it wasn't. We actually had a comment in the subreddit that said as much. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, dude. Who is that? <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to take a look at the subreddit real quick. Go to the Commandercast subreddit. Go to, let's see, what was that? Spider Borks? Or was that off-color conversations? It was off-color conversations. Oh, no, wait. That, that links us to the show. I want to go to the comments. Click on that. I must admit, I was a bit disappointed with the discussion about the new Eldrazi. I was looking forward to hearing the game's thoughts on these new Eldrazi. At my local shop, just this past Sunday, our playgroup was talking about how, with the right commanders, playing in the processes can make some very political, albeit dirty, type decks. And of course, we all know that Rexiel just loves new processors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, Listener, we have failed you. Actually, I, I did have someone who built blue-black tribal Eldrazi with Veil of the Nightclad as the commander. <laughs> Because now all of his Eldrazi are just unblockable. Unless, yeah. you have, unless you have artifact creatures. Yeah. And then I also got an email that says the principles of prosperity that I thought was from Eric and Noel. And I was like, what? I, what? 
And then I realized that I actually just read right over Noel's name, and it said Nicole. Oh. So it's Eric and Nicole, and I just got tra- spam trash email. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like, I don't know, someone asking for money, or, or like an old chain email from like the 90s, man. I was like, why are Eric and Noel but Did William read off the email? Yeah, I read off Ray's email. Yeah. I completely missed it. I dropped out. He said very nice things to us. You can listen to it when you edit it. Is there anything that I particularly would need to comment on, Mark or Clay? Because I'm not going to ask William's opinion. <laughs> yeah, he just said he liked it, even though we didn't have anything to say about Odrazi, man. Which I thought was nice. Because I, I, I mean, we all kind of collectively dropped the ball on that. Gotcha. I thought it was hilarious myself. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fucking funny. Yeah. I'm just glad, joking, but, you know. Yeah, I'm glad the listeners thought that too. Patient, not humor. Nope. Humor, secondary. You get I that for like, free. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so what did you think of the Eldrazi? I, I don't know. What did you think of the Eldrazi? <laughs> Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Hmm. Well. Uh-huh. All right then. What? I, uh, Mark, I'm needing help with this pronunciation. I'm gonna fuck this all up. Are you ready? Mark on. Did Mark BRB? Yeah, Mark BRB. Okay, let's see. And that should do it. Thanks for coming out, Mark. Cool, man. Have a good one, guys. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Spoilers! See you next week, Mark. Oh, shit. Spoilers. Awesome. All right. Have a good one, guys. Later. All right. And now that Mark is gone, and Calvin, do you have cards picked out? Let's see. Does anybody have Legacies of Lore? Nope. Put uh, me down yet. for Legacy of Lore. <laughs> and what about what was the first one that was on that list? Active. Um, Order of Dominant. Uh, uh, Order of Dominion. There you go. That's what it is. Not Dominant. Or Order of Dominion. I am bending the theme very, very slightly with one of mine. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh. But does anyone have Order of Dominion? Nope. Nope. Okay, good. Actually, I'm going to use Dendin as the example for why this came up, so instead I'm going to put Telekinesis into this. Because <laughs> that actually just is a sweet card. How many cards are we doing, too? Uh, you can get up to three. Okay. Which is like six whole mana. <laughs> like, this is stuff, like, instead of playing a Titan, you chose to play these three cards. Okay, I have my three. One of them slightly bends the theme a little bit, but whatever. You all say, Captain? Mm, I have to find what they're. I have to find one more, but I can find it in the process. All right, Clay, can you get Kevin's uh, cards as he says them? Uh, I guess so. All right, thank you. All right, thank you, Clay. Okay, so I need to find Dan Dan again, so I can introduce the segment. Okay, mm-hmm. Merfolk Assassin. Uh, all right. Then it gas got